Delighted that you're here. We have visitors with us again. We're delighted that you've come. Hope you can come back and be with us at other opportunities. We mentioned this morning we'd be studying from Philippians chapter 4. We've been studying from the book of Philippians for several weeks and talking about seeing some things that are good. One more reminder, some introductory thoughts about Philippians. The church at Philippi was established in Acts chapter 16. This letter was written from prison, which makes it a prison epistle. Uh, the situation is that this was a response to some kindness of the Philippians in sending support to Paul. And the message seems to be that of joy, but more so that of commitment and the joy that comes as a result of that. It is a tender style letter. So here's some of the things we've talked about. We've talked about seeing good in our brethren. And that's from chapter 1. He saw good in their past. He saw good in their future. We talk about seeing good in all circumstances, seeing good in life, seeing good in problems, even in death. We talk about seeing good in being a servant. That doesn't seem like a good thing, but being a servant. There is good to be seen in that. And then we talked about seeing good in being responsible. You are to be responsible for working out your own salvation. Timothy was quite responsible, and so was Epaphroditus. And then we talked about seeing good in our last study, moving on, forgetting the past and reaching to the future. Well, let's go to chapter 4 now. Chapter 4 deals with some things that would seem odd to some people. The world thinks that some of the Christian's belief and some of the Christian's conduct seems quite odd. And they may look at you and see what you're doing and they may think something or say something like, who actually does that? And you'll see some of the examples of that in a moment. You may tell someone that this is what I believe and this is what I practice or here's what I'm going to do under this circumstance and the world may look at you and think, who on earth does that anyway? Nobody lives like that. And I want to suggest to you that even some who are Christians find it somewhat difficult to follow the Lord. In fact, it may be quite strange, they think it's not strange at least, not to, to, to live quite opposite of what the Lord said. And that's a common thing. So when we come to Philippians 4, it deals with a number of miscellaneous things. That a collection of thoughts, of responsibilities the Christian has to do the will of the Lord that seems quite odd to people. And so we're going to look at those. So let's talk about Seeing good and being odd, being different from the world. Living in a way the world may look at you that they think, you know, you're odd if you do that. And that's the way you live. You're, you're different. Nobody lives like that. So let's talk about some responsibilities that may seem odd. Here's the first. Beginning in verse 2 through verse 5, it may seem quite odd to resolve differences. It may seem quite odd resolve differences. I say it seems odd because it is not uncommon for differences to brew and to stew and continually pull apart. That happens in the world where people are at odds and, and they stay at odds and they brew and they stew over that. Even within the church there are people at odds and that continues for years and they never resolve their difference but it brews and it just grows and grows and they pull further apart. And so it seems odd that you would go and resolve differences with others. Well, let's, before we get to chapter 2, uh, chapter 4 and verse 2, as he talks about your audience in Tiki, let's back up and go back to chapter 1, where there had been an emphasis already in the book of Philippians on unity and harmony and being of one mind. 
There must have been a need for that, and perhaps chapter 4 may be pointing to that, though there may be more than what we're seeing in chapter 4 as the problem that may have brewed. We're not told specifically, other than chapter 4, about some division or problem. There must have been a great need for him to continually emphasize unity and harmony. Go back to chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or may be asked, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's a harmony and unity plea. You need to be harmonized. There needs to be one mind striving together, work together in harmony and unity. Well, let's go to chapter 2 and in verse 2. Fulfill my joy to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. And then he talks about Christ as an example of humility that was greatly needed to accomplish that. So continually, he's emphasized unity and harmony. Well, let's come now to chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. There seems to be two women in the church. These are feminine names, Euodia and Syntyche, who are urged to resolve their difference and the differences they have. Notice at verse 2. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. These two are apparently not of one mind. There seems to be some strife between Euodia and Syntyche. All that we know about the circumstance and the situation is said right here. So we don't know the nature of the problem. We don't know what their difference was, what was causing some friction between them. Was it of some family strife where they relate? We don't know anything about these women for that matter, other than what might be mentioned here. There is no indication or no if, uh, evidence that it may be something of moral or doctrinal conduct. And you say, what evidence would there be? Well, when a moral problem came in the church at Corinth, Paul addressed it and addressed it as a moral issue. You need to withdraw from this person who is committing this sin of fornication and continuing in that. No indication that that's going on. When there were doctrinal differences, such as those uh, who had taught that the resurrection is already passed, like Alexandria, uh, Alexander, uh, he mentions them by name and mentions the doctrine. He doesn't do that here. So it seems to be perhaps some personal conflict. What was that? We are not told. He calls them by name. Now that's interesting to me that he doesn't just say there are some within the church there wherein there may be some friction and you need to resolve the difference. But he said, I implore you, Odia, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind. Now you stop and think about the only time you were mentioned and mentioned in quite a public place. It's published in the Bible that goes around the world. And all that's ever known of you is that you were at odds with someone else. And that's all that was ever said about that person. But he did call them by name, and there was a place and a purpose for that. I'm learning a very fundamental, powerful lesson, and that is two people with differences can disrupt a local church. That must have been a danger for the church at Philippi. And so Paul urges them in this context of harmony and unity that I implore you, audience and Tiki, to get of the same mind, resolve your difference. There's no indication that he says, Euodia, you need to straighten it out, and Syntyche is not at fault. Or Syntyche, you need to straighten this out, and Euodia is not at fault. There must have been some personal differences where they both need to work toward this harmony and toward the unity. Now let's go to verse 3. Others could help, and they're called on to help in that matter. Notice he said, I urge you also, true companion. Who is that? We don't know. We're not told. Several commentators have speculated it's this person or it's that person or someone else, but we don't know. We were not told who that might be. Uh, that true companion 
Help these women who labored with me in the gospel. These have been faithful women who have, uh, who have stood, faith, uh, stood strong for the gospel. They've done something to contribute to the furtherance of the gospel in the Paul's work. And so they have been fellow laborers with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. So because these have been faithful servants of the Lord, now they're in odds. There is of disrupting the local fellowship. You help them with that. And so he calls upon others, do what you can to make please and try to harmonize the friction that may be between Euodia and Syntyche. Now, verse 4, verse uh, three and, or 2 and 3, their unity is to be in the Lord. Notice, he said, I note, uh, verse 2, I implore Euodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind. Now notice the phrase, in the Lord. Not that they're to be of the same mind. They may be of the same mind in the sense that they both want to argue. <clears throat> They may be of the same mind in the sense that they both in, may be enjoying the friction between them, whatever the case may be. But be of the same mind in the Lord. That is, that's to be the realm of your thinking. If Euodia gets her mind in the realm of the Lord, Syntyche gets her mind in the realm of the Lord, then they're going to be indeed of one mind. Now let's talk about dispositions that are dealt with in this context that may help in verses 4 and 5. Notice at verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, <clears throat> rejoice. That is, they are to rejoice in the Lord, not in themselves or in another. If, for example, Euodia is rejoicing in whatever stance she has and focuses on herself, then she may not be rejoicing in the will of the Lord. On the same thing with Syntyches. They're not focusing upon, they're not to focus upon themselves or even upon another, but the Lord is the occasion or the object of their joy. So if they rejoice in the Lord and get their mind focused in the realm of the Lord, then that's going to pull them together in harmony and in unity. Then notice verse 5. Let your gentleness, New King James, I'm reading says, be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Let's start with the last phrase. Some suggest that the Lord is at hand. May not be talking about so much the Lord is about to come soon, but the Lord is watching over you. As one writer says, the Lord is watching over your shoulder. So consequently, because the Lord is watching you, you need to let your gentleness be known unto all men. Now, what does that have to do with Yodian Syntyche and resolving their differences? Well, the American Standard said, let your forbearance be known unto all men. What does he mean by gentleness? Well, your forbearance. The English Standard uses the word reasonableness. Let your moderation, the King James says, or your reasonableness... The New Century translates that, be, uh, your gentleness and kindness, 